0: mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am your host and moderator, Sean, and here with me, as always, is Sean P. Say hello, Sean. What's going on, guys? Uh, We've been away, as you've probably noticed, uh, some vacations and family time for the both of us, but uh, now we're back. And uh, 300% better than ever before. Uh, Tonight we're going to have a two-part podcast. Uh, Part one, will discuss the OnePlus 3 review in all of its glory. Uh, A lot of goods there, and I think some people are going to be really excited to own this phone. Uh, part two, we're going to talk about something that's made headlines recently that's a pretty big deal, uh, and that's the news that Verizon has agreed to acquire Yahoo and all of its assets for about $5 billion, billion billion with a B, that is, and uh, what that might mean for both of their futures. So, um, again, part one, we'll start with the One 3 review, and then we'll break, and then we'll come back and talk about the Verizon-Yahoo merger. So, without further ado, uh, we'll dive in. You good, Sean? Let's go. go. Let's go. So the one plus three uh as mentioned before we had one of these in-house and sean got some extensive hands-on time with it a lot of a uh, lot of other reviews out there right now and um mostly positive so with some hands-on time with it what um what are your impressions of the one plus three sean so right off the bat i would say one of, one of my
1: friends is a one plus guy so he gets a new phone every year so last year I had to beg, borrow, and steal in order to get an invite to get them a OnePlus 2. It was a a ridiculous process, and I think we've been through the much maligned invite system for OnePlus for a few times now. So this year was, right off the bat, a much better experience. The phone went on sale, and I was able to just log online and buy one. What do you know? Praise me. What a concept. So, bought the phone. OnePlus gave us a shipping estimate. Phone arrived early. Gotta give them credit there. I think I actually got it three days after the phone launched, and I think OnePlus definitely earned some applause here. They announced the phone, it went on sale, I was able to buy it that day, and then I had it in my hand less than a week later, I think literally three days later, so everyone else who's not Apple should probably take notes on this. I hate the, hey, let's announce our phone with some vague release date in the future, we've touched upon this, OnePlus absolutely did it right this year, so right off the bat, lots of positives. So the phone arrives, and it's really nice. Uh, I pull it out. It's got the aluminum build. It's not... The design isn't groundbreaking. Uh, It looks a lot like a HTC 10 to me is probably the most... Is the easiest comp. And... It's, you know, I think it stands toe-to-toe with any of them. I would actually say of the phones that I played with this year, I would put it above the G5 in quality. I think that the in-hand feels better. The G5 feels a little bit like it's metal covered in some kind of plasticky coating, whereas the OnePlus 3 is actually metal metal. It's, it's not quite, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I would say the metal's not quite as nice as the HTC 10. The HTC 10 has a nicer weight in hand, I would say, and feels just slightly more premium. Hmm. But given the fact that OnePlus 3 costs half as much, it's like 95% as good. Compared to the Samsung flagships, it really boils down to opinion of whether you like glass. A lot of people complain the glass is slippery. I think that's probably true. From a design standpoint, I'd say they're roughly on par. So again, I think that's pretty impressive given we're dealing with a $400 phone here. And yeah, it just looked really good. At one thing, and this is another little ridiculous thing that probably only people with OCD would notice, but on the HTC 10, when you hold it, the capacitive home button is really far down on the phone. And on the OnePlus 3, it's raised up higher and it's actually centered in that bottom bezel. And it makes it a lot easier to get to. So that's it. it not only looks aesthetically nicer, but it's easier to use, so. The first impressions out of the box were really good. Uh, from a size standpoint, it's it's a big phone. It's um, just slightly smaller than a Note, I would say. So it's it's smaller than the Nexus 6B, slightly smaller than a Note, but it's still a big phone. This isn't something it's it's larger than the Galaxy S7 uh, Edge even though they both have 5.5 inch screens. But then again, it's smaller than an iPhone 6S Plus, which is also a 5.5-inch screen. So I would say the size, bezels, all of that is right where it should be for a flagship. So as far as, I booted it up, turned it on, and I think the one thing that I noticed right off the bat is it's the fastest phone I've ever used, the fastest Android phone. Uh, I have a Note 5. I've played with Nexus 6Ps extensively, lots of stock Android devices. The OnePlus 3 flies. It's Everything it does is fast. Uh... I'm not sure if that's because it has a stockish interface or what the deal is, but no matter what I try, to I mean, loading apps, moving around the UI, no matter what you're doing, it's just, it feels damn near instantaneous, so very positive first impression as far as performance is concerned. And remind me again, what are the rundown the specs on the OnePlus 3 for me? So we're looking at a Snapdragon 820, 6GB of RAM, 6GB of DDR4 RAM more specifically, a 5.5 inch 1080p AMOLED screen, and uh, it comes with 64GB of memory, no SD card slots so non-expandable, and uh, it's, it's using UFS 2.0. So it's using the same flash memory as Samsung started with last year. And basically every flagship's moved to this year. So from a spec standpoint, the only thing you could nitpick as not being flagship would be the screen at 1080p instead of 2K. We'll dive into the screen a little bit later. But I would just say for me, it's not a deal breaker. So it, it looked fine. I have no qualms. It's, unless you're looking at it from an inch away or doing VR, I'm just not sure it matters. So... Um, other really positive aspects is said that the OS is basically stock Android, so you have Oxygen OS. I was running on the first release candidate, so this was before the update that included like the sRGB mode and the the ability to add more uh, apps into memory. So one thing we learned is that um, OnePlus, in their infinite wisdom, decided that they should have really aggressive RAM management, and they said they did this because of battery and. That may make some sense, but a lot of people were kind of upset because this was the first, I think one of the first phones anyway, was 6 gig of RAM. And so the idea is, hey, this is going to be a multitasking beast. And uh, instead, what was happening was it would aggressively kill apps in the background. And the only other Android phones really that do this are Samsung phones aggressively kill apps, and people didn't like that behavior. So anyway, OnePlus listened to all this, and they released an update. I didn't get to play with the update, but it is less aggressive at killing apps and as i said they a nantech did an article and kind of trashed the screen because it was super saturated and they didn't like that it didn't have a srgb mode and for those of you that aren't screen nerds srgb is a, a standard for colors and it's a space so it's basically a range a range of colors if you will that the screen's supposed to fall within and when you have amled screens that don't have this mode, they tend to be punchier, so the colors are not true to life. Now, I happen to think that they look really good. Uh, They pop a lot, and unless you're doing something like graphic design, I'm not really sure that it matters that it's not in the sRGB space. Nevertheless, almost every phone at this point is offering an sRGB mode, so the fact that they omitted it was something they got hammered for in a review and uh, fixed in short order to their credit. So yeah, Oxygen OS, very, very fast. It's stock, I would describe it as like a, it's almost like a ROM, right? It's like a, it feels to me like the old AOSP ROMs, like Cyanogen mod years ago. It's stock Android with extras. And the extras are, you can tweak things about the appearance. Uh, you can have on-screen buttons or capacitive buttons. You can change things in your, in your notification bar. You can do all kinds of just neat stuff. So... And none of them bog the system down. They're just nice additions. So I think from a this side of a Nexus, it's the best experience, I would say, from a skin you can get. Motorola is, I guess, in that same general realm, but really great
0: experience from a software standpoint. So just a quick recap. Basically latest and greatest specs in terms of hardware, a lot of different uh, updates and features not only in the custom version of Android that it's running, the Oxygen OS, but also the update that was provided by OnePlus shortly after launch to increase its ability to utilize that six gigs of RAM and to uh, desaturate the screen if you will uh, to a little bit more of an accurate color reproduction even though again kind of like you've touched on that's that's pretty much why people like AMOLEDs over LCD screens is because of those bright vibrant colors and the deep true blacks that only an AMOLED display will give you. It's reasonably priced at $400. Uh, it feels good in hand. It looks and is built like a premium device. Uh, it's very quick. A lot of that probably to do with the cutting edge specs and the, the kind of stripped down bare bones uh, basic Android version with features. Sounds like there's a lot to like there. What didn't you like about it? So if you're going to
1: nitpick some things here, here's where I would start. So the screen, I thought the screen was fine. So I, I'm i picky about screens. I'm really, really picky about screens. And out of the box, the colors are really, really punchy. It's tuned to a cold uh, white point. So what that means, I think it's about 8,000 K it means the whites look bluish. It's kind of interesting though. I had a Nexus six where the whites were yellow. They were warm and it, it drove me nuts. I, it was actually a deal breaker for me. I went through two of the phones and hated the screen. This phone I pulled out and, and looked at it and it, it looks, it looks good. It's, Not up to par with the nicest Samsung AMOLED screens, but I would say it's on par with most other screens this year. The HTC 10 is a LCD, and so is the G5, so this comes down to a little bit of preference, but I would say the OnePlus 3 is on par with those. It has the nice aspects of the AMOLED, so the really dark blacks and the really punchy colors. Uh, It's not quite as sharp. If you look at text, you can really kind of tell the edge of text is not as defined as it is on a 2K screen. And this is stuff you really have to look for, though, right? I mean, if you're looking at your phone and you're using it from a normal distance and you're viewing normal things, looking at YouTube, browsing, I'm not sure you would ever notice any of this. But the screen is not quite as nice as some of the other phones here. I I will say that. Um, Again, this is a, a... Nantech made a big deal out of this, too, but... Last year, it used a 1080p LCD screen, but that LCD screens always, for the most part, have true, you know, RGB subpixels. So they have a, a complete subpixel matrix, if you will. Whereas this is a 1080p screen, but it's pentile, and we've kind of covered this in a previous cast. It means for every pixel, there's only two subpixels, and it alternates between red and green, and green and blue. So. They kind of have to share subpixels, and what that means is when you look at some images and some things, it doesn't look quite as sharp. I think this is kind of overblown at this point. My eyes are picky, and again, if you're really looking for it, you can maybe find some graininess or some, some things around text that are not quite as defined, but I had it right next to the OnePlus 2 when my friend returned his phone, and if you put them side by side, I prefer the OnePlus 3 screen. I I think that yes, in some instances, it's a little more defined on the OnePlus 2, but the colors are way less punchy, it looks kind of washed out, so for me, my preference would be the OnePlus 3. Um, I think the other thing that's not quite flagship spec, if you will, if... If you want to talk about like cameras on phones and if you were to say hey the 10 out of 10 cameras the galaxy s7 the galaxy s7 edge and you could probably put the g5 in that upper echelon of like nine to nine and a half range i would say this camera falls more into the seven and a half eight range it's fast it's it's a good phone it takes pic- good pictures and good light uh, if you have you know decent lighting outside you can just pop it up and take a picture it'll look pretty good when the light starts to get a little bit darker, this is really where the Samsungs of the world, where you notice the difference. So if you're in an environment with imperfect lighting or that's dark, the One 3 does okay, but it's not as good as those other phones. Those are really the two areas of weakness, if you will, Look, there was a time when you had phones when it was like, the cameras were bad. Like, there was Motorola phones where it was like, okay. Like, I would rate the Moto X, the original, the 2013 one. The camera on that phone was like a, like a 4 out of 10. Like, it was just bad.
0: This phone's like a seven and a half, eight 8 out of 10. Totally usable, totally fine, just not quite as good. And there was a time when Samsung's camera modules in their phones weren't spectacular and fantastic either. Uh, Case in point, my Galaxy Nexus, made by Samsung, had a a camera that's quality was questionable, even in good light, and was almost unusable in low-light situations. I have very vivid memories of being at a, a graduation outdoors in the early evening, so there was still a fair amount of light, but the pictures that I took on that camera were... Let's call it like it is: garbage, absolute garbage. So Samsung has done a lot uh, to improve their mobile phone camera sensor tech in both the actual sensors itself, the size of the pixels, and the quality of the optics and software that go into it. So uh, they've taken their place as the you know the largest Android OEM in the world, and rightfully so. They make fantastic phones, but um, you know again, we realize that not everybody is going to have the the global. Uh, Power and supply chain to be able to provide those kinds of things. So, for uh, you know a, a small manufacturer like OnePlus to get a fairly solid camera um, that has some some drawbacks and stuff, you know, again, if we're talking about a price point that it's you know six hundred six fifty, probably not really acceptable. But at a three ninety nine price range, probably okay. Would you say? I would say definitely okay. We're not talking about. A revert
1: back to the galaxy nexus days like this is a very capable camera in decent lighting if you're outside and you pop a you know, picture with your friends or if you want to take a picture of a sunset or whatever it's it looks really great actually it does a good job you're really getting into the nitpicking of like low-light picture photography is not as good as the top cameras so it's not this isn't one situation where it's bad at all this is a very good camera it's just not as good as the best cameras, and probably a little bit behind most of the flagships this year. But this kind of sums up this phone in general. I think you're getting like ninety-five percent of the. You're getting ninety-five percent of the total package of the other phones. You're getting, um, you know, USB Type C, which we haven't even discussed. It has. They have their own proprietary charger. It's called Dash Charger, and it's. It's fast. It's ridiculous. I plugged it in. It. I think you can do 65 percent in a half hour or something like that. It's and the crazy. charger. OnePlus is basically doing the same thing Motorola did. The charger has a big base that plugs into the actual outlet, so it keeps all the heat in the actual base. So when you have it plugged in and you're charging, if you're using the phone even while it's charging at these hyper speeds, it doesn't heat up. The phone doesn't heat up at all. You can still use it. It doesn't stutter. All the heat's in the actual charger, which is. It's neat. It's it's. Effective and it works great. The only kind of bummer thing there is they're using their own proprietary method for fast charging, if you will. So if you buy a third-party adapter, you're not getting those kinds of speeds, and the dash chargers themselves are kind of expensive. I think they're 34 bucks, but they do give you one in the box, so you can't complain too much. Um, another thing is the fingerprint scanner. This is a front-facing fingerprint scanner, and it's a capacitive button and it's, it's fast, it's ridiculously fast. It smokes my Note 5 fingerprint scanner. Uh, you don't have to put push a button to initiate it, you just put your finger over the scanner, and it's, it's like virtually instantaneous. Um, I've seen comparison videos online comparing it to the iPhone 6s and a variety of other phones, and it's, if not the fastest right there, and feels again significantly faster than the Samsung flagships in my opinion. So, taken as a whole, If you're looking at the OnePlus 3 as a package, it's a fantastic device. I think in and of itself, if I was just objectively rating it against everything else on the market, on like a 10 point scale, I'd probably give it somewhere between an eight and a half and a nine. It does everything well. And if you grade it on a curve, uh, considering it costs $400, where a Galaxy S7 Edge costs $800. I think a Galaxy S7 itself costs $700. And then the G5 and the HTC 10 are also in that six $700 plus range. If you're on AT&T or T-Mobile, the two networks in the United States that can use it along with some of the other MVNO carriers, I think you'd have to give this phone a long, hard look. And I think if you just were lining up the features and grading it for price per dollar, there's not many phones that stack up to the OnePlus 3. Every other year, the OnePlus 3 had some kind of I don't want to say deal breaker, but you had the bad invite system. You had other issues. The first year, they had issues with the screens. Uh, the second year, they had the Snapdragon 810 issues where it would overheat sometimes, or they had to actually, each their um, OnePlus just really throttled down the chip in the OnePlus 2, but that meant performance suffered and battery life was only okay. This year, there's not any weakness that I can really see, It's literally just a really well-rounded phone that does everything well. For the money, I don't know. I think it stands toe-to-toe with everything else. I've used every phone this year, and it's
0: as good as any of them, really. And that's kind of where I would go, is like, who should buy this phone? Like, who is this phone marketed for? Because I know that there are a lot of people probably who have never even heard of OnePlus, or if they have, it probably was from the somewhat negative pub that the OnePlus One got, and to to a certain lesser extent, the OnePlus Two got, And why would Joe, average consumer, consider this phone over uh, the Galaxy S7 on a payment plan with uh, any of the carriers? Although, as you've already cited, the OnePlus 3 is only available for the GSM networks here in the U.S., which is AT&T and T-Mobile and their subsidiaries. So, but who... Who would benefit from this phone? Is it somebody who's looking for an inexpensive alternative? Is it someone who wants perhaps one of the best performing phones on the market? Somebody else?
1: There's a couple groups that I think you could say this phone would be great for. So now that we've moved away from carrier subsidization on phones and you're paying for your phone outright, I think anyone who's budget conscious, I don't know if there is a phone that provides as much for the money as the one plus three the phone that's cl- close or you could even make an argument maybe is more is the zte axon 7 that just got released uh it has a front facing speakers and it has a, a qhd screen so 2k and basically matches the one plus three and everything else except for it has four gig of ram but the reviews are just coming out i don't think we know about it enough to say other than that nothing nothing really touches it from a performance standpoint bang for buck so anyone who's budget conscious i quite frankly would say that in my opinion i think bang for buck this is the best bang for buck phone you can get a nexus 6p for about 400 dollars now and that i would take a long hard look at but i've used them both and the one plus three is faster so and it has better specs if you're If when you really come down to it except for the screen it's it's a 2016 flagship so it has 2016 flagship specs and it has all of them it hits all the boxes so if you're a budget conscious person i think this phone is something you'd absolutely look at um and then this is kind of weird thing to say but if you're a power user i think you could look at this phone for a couple of reasons six gig of ram top flight specs and pretty much everything Plus, uh, the bootloader is unlockable. So, what that means for those of you that are not complete nerds out there is you can, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, flash ROMs on this phone easily. Most mainstream phones now come with a locked bootloader, meaning that you basically are stuck running the stock firmware, which is fine for most people. They don't want to tinker with their phone. But if you're a power user and someone that wants to mess with your phone, the OnePlus 3 is a great choice. You can unlock the bootloader. It has a ton of support on XDA, which is kind of the developer forum of developer forums. And you have a variety of people developing all kinds of things. So if you're the kind of guy that wants bleeding edge performance and you want to flash ROMs and you want to flash kernels and all kinds of things because you're you know, just one of those guys, this phone's a great choice for that. So that's kind of you know two opposite groups there. Really, this phone could appeal to almost anyone. It's... It's that good. I really don't really know what to say about it. I have to be honest. In using it, like, I I buy really expensive phones, right? I'm buying the Notes of the World that cost seven $800. And there was a couple times while I was using this phone going, man, should I just buy one of these? It's it's so good. I mean, and it's half price, effectively. It's it's really something. They, they did a great job. So I would say to anyone out there that's okay with a bigger phone, if you're buying a phone outright or if you're, you know, looking for the best bang for buck or just a really powerful phone at a
0: great price, I think the OnePlus 3 is for, for you. So folks, if you are interested and want some more information about the OnePlus 3, you can find it at oneplus.net. That's their website. You can place the order directly through their website and have it shipped out to your home address. Uh, any other thoughts on the OnePlus 3? No, I as I said very
1: very pleasant surprise I'm really interested to see what they do with the one plus four I think the one plus two last year was like maligned because it didn't have it it was supposed to be like a 2016 flagship killer that was their actual motto only it was missing key things like you know NFC uh, and some other things that you'd probably would want on a flagship phone and this year the claim that it's a flagship killer I I think the argument's actually there You could very, with a very straight face, argue that this phone is the equal of the
0: 2016 flagships and costs half as much, and I'm excited to see what they do next year. So as far as Android goes, Android phones go, uh, definitely would recommend?
1: I would absolutely recommend without hesitation,
0: yeah. Good enough for me. Uh, So just as a reminder, this was part one of the Silicon Theory podcast. If you are just finding us for the first time, you can check us out on iTunes or Google Play Music or SoundCloud. Get caught up on all the previous episodes where we cover a wide variety of tech-related topics. Uh, Stick around, and uh, the next episode will be coming out shortly. We're going to talk about Verizon's acquisition of Yahoo. And um, sit tight. We'll talk to you soon.